This podcast is brought to you by Square. Your restaurant runs best when everything and everyone works together. Square's integrated point of sale system offers one central place to keep cash flowing, reach more diners, and operate smarter. Square has the trusted restaurant tools and solutions to serve you, your staff, and your customers now and in the future, no matter how your business evolves. The future needs your restaurant. Get there with Square. Learn more at square.com slash audiology. You are now listening to the Half a Bird Sports Show. Yo, welcome to the Half a Bird Sports Show. You have so many options for high-flying entertainment. Get you chill to ride with us, and we appreciate that. Your host, Jimmy, along with myself, Jay, bringing you the sports opinions you need to adopt immediately. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are downloaded or listened to. So, Jimmy, what's on today's school lunch menu? Who's the best in the NFC right now? The Chiefs can win without my home sway. How? Devontae versus Donald heavyweight bout. AB is drawing interest from the league now. Frozen 5 recap winning week now. Urban Meyer wants to be the coach of the cow. Boys who sit atop the NFC East now. And Bramble loses 2-2 an ankle sprain. Ow. Yeah, that hurts. Mm. That actually hurt my feelings when you said that. <laughs> All right. Actually, that does help us, though, around here in a it way. It really does. Um Welcome to the Half a Burst Sports Show. Myself and Jimmy. <laughs> What's up? Doing what we do best, talking at the sides of our neck. Of course, it's going to be a loaded show. We appreciate you guys joining us here. Rate us and review us. Give us five stars. If you think we only get four, just lie and give us five anyway. Gifted. Uh, we've got ourselves a nice loaded show. We're going to talk NFC as Jimmy gave us some information, some injury reports, uh, lots of secured bags. A little liftoff, recap of our Frozen Five, and we don't know what the heck's going on in Georgia. So, let's start <laughs> off with the usual conversation, Jimmy. What's good, man? Hey, man. Um, The NFC, whoo, NFL has been good this year. Mm. There's been a few surprises out there, one that was not a surprise for me, but <laughs> overall, there has been some pretty big surprises as far as who's been doing big things so okay we've got two teams what's the records look like in the nfc right now we've got what three teams that's really fighting for the top spot yeah and maybe even four if you think about it you want me to give them to you well that's true yeah yeah. yeah. okay so you have the uh new orleans saints fresh off of their win in chicago over the bears 36 25 they're six and one you have my san francisco 49ers fresh off of their ugly nine to zero victory in washington in the mud bowl they're six and oh the only other undefeated team outside of the New England Patriots. The Patriots, yeah. And lastly, you have the Green Bay Packers, who went to six and one at home yesterday over a very convincing win over the Oakland Raiders, which we'll get to later on. Oh and don't look now, but the Minnesota Vikings have won three in a row, and they're five and two as well. Yeah, them and the Seattle Seahawks are five and two. So you yes. got um, you got about five teams in a way battling, but for the most part, really, it's really three. It's a three man race right now yes. for the top spot. And so, Jimmy, who do you think is the best? Right now, of those three, the mm-hmm. Saints, 49ers, and Packers, who's the best in the NFC? To me, the best is the New Orleans Saints um, because I think the Saints, they're more adept at winning in different ways, especially given that they have a backup quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater, who I have to admit, I, at the beginning of him taking over for Drew Brees with that so injury, wrong. I was totally against Teddy Bridgewater. I didn't like him as a quarterback, but I'm going to go ahead and sit down. 
and apologize to Teddy Bridgewater for what I said because even though he's he's not a spectacular quarterback, that's not his game, he has looked very good, very comfortable, and very in command of that team, and they've done nothing but win since Drew Brees went down. So you have that. I think that obviously they don't have a better defense than the 49ers, but they do have a better defense than the Packers, in my opinion, and typically the New Orleans Saints. They have a good defense like – in a like two to three year stretch then they suck then they're back being good again um they've got a great running back great wide receiver combination and out of those three teams they're the only team that actually has that with Kamara and Thomas I know the Packers have Devontae Adams who's hurt and Aaron Jones who's good not great but they're the only team with that combination and they just don't make a lot of mistakes they play good sound football and you can tell they play for a veteran coach who's won before because those teams typically tend to be more disciplined than other teams so top to bottom left to right I think the Saints are the best team in the NFC wow that was a a lot of information there (laughs) but I do agree I think that the Saints and I and I I caught this when we did our NFL preview show was that the Saints defense to me is one of the most is one of the most underrated defenses in the league. They mm-hmm. they top to bottom have a strong defensive presence. I don't know what's up with Eli Apple. Hopefully there's nothing serious with him, but their defense, I mean with him, Lattimore, the way the secondary is set up, they are they, they have a very cohesive unit on the defensive side. Mm-hmm. And offensively with Latavius Murray, he's reemergence. He's yeah, he had two touchdowns nowhere. yesterday against the Bears. Against the Bears and then you have uh Alvin Kamara. Mhm whose workload has increased because of Ingram going down, but Murray looks like he's going to become that new, new yin-yang setup. Mm-hmm. And Teddy Bridgewater, he really has put in – you can tell that he's put in a lot of work in the film room. You can mm-hmm. tell that he is understanding the setup, he's understanding the landscape, and he's being the quarterback he was supposed to be, honestly, in Minnesota before that catastrophic knee injury. Mm-hmm. The Saints, to me, are, are the tops. Now, I can't knock the 49ers, though, too hard because – the fact that they have a team full of no-namers on the offensive <laughs> side who are producing, and then that defense, John Lynch has put together one of the best defensive jobs I've seen <laughs> probably ever. In that, one, in one offseason. In one offseason. I mean, you come back from Jimmy G being hurt, the number two pick getting uh, getting Nick, little Boza. Yeah, Nick Boza. Getting Nick Boza. And, but around that, it's built. this defense reminds me of Jim Harbaugh's defense. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is is thoroughly impressive about them. So, got to give them props for being able to put that together. And like you said, the no namers, you're trying to figure out who's going to be the guy that Jimmy G goes to. And it seems like he's got about six of them, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it doesn't stop. But from from Kittle to um, the two running backs, they had what's that? Brenda and uh, uh, see Matt Breida, uh, Matt Tevin Breida, Coleman, who they got from Atlanta. Exactly, and then you got your wide receivers, and uh, was it Pettis and uh, was it Godwin? Yeah, Pettis, Godwin, rookie Debo Samuel. Yeah. Now George Kittle, the tight end, he is a Pro Bowl. I mean, he Kittle is one of the best. And, you know, yeah. Kittle's the like I said, Kittle's the centerpiece, and then you have all these other little complementary pieces that are actually doing well with the quarterback like Jimmy G. And Jimmy G is the perfect example that coaching matters. I think that that's what makes him so successful mm-hmm. is that he has solid coaching in Kyle Shanahan. As much as everyone clowned him back in the day as being the son of a coach, <laughs> he's really showing that he's a student of the game and that's what's building him up. So now from there you look at the AFC. I mean, that's a that's that was a wide open race, but it's looking a little bleak, especially with that most recent injury. Jimmy, what's up with the Chiefs? Do you feel like the Chiefs are going to make it out with Patrick Mahomes being gone at least four weeks? 
Well, three weeks, technically. They'll make the playoffs. Him being injured is going to cost them the chance at the number one seed, and I really believe that they needed that in order to get over Ooh. the hump and make it to the Super Bowl because them going to Foxborough in January is not going to work for them. They will be competitive, but they are not going to be Brady and Belichick in Foxborough. So when I look at the Chiefs' schedule, let's look at their next four games, and you tell me what you think in terms of okay. whether or not they're going to win. All right, so the next game, they're at home versus the Packers. I see that as an L. Okay, that's an L. Yep. Uh, they're at home versus the Vikings. I see that as an L as well. I see it as a W. Think so? Uh, what time is that game? Do you know? Uh, I do not know. Okay, let me look at what time that is, but we all know that Kirk <laughs> oh, I see Cousins, what you're saying. <laughs> we all know that Kirk Cousins does not win games um, against teams <laughs> with winning records. And it's, a, and it's a 1 o'clock game, so that is a toss-up. It's a noon game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not gonna Vikings. Yeah, they're not gonna win that game. That's okay. gonna, I will give that one to the Chiefs. All right, next game, uh, Chiefs at the Titans. Ooh, they're going to Tennessee. Yes. Well, the Tennessee Titans don't know who their quarterback is yet, so they yep. might come out with that one with luck. That will be a Matt Moore miracle. Mm-hmm. I said they lose that game. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, for one, you're not you're not gonna have enough tape on him in a Titans uniform to really be able to scheme for him the way you need to. That's true. I mean, to I mean, he's Ryan Tannehill, so he's not gonna torch you, but enough to force him into turnovers and give yourself the advantage. They're not gonna have enough tape. And from some what some of the players who were interviewed uh, for the Titans after their victory yesterday against the Chargers, they talked about how he commands the huddle. It's a different presence, and that's not a shot at Mariota, that. but. It, in a sense, tells you what one of the problems is with Mariota. Well, I mean, you got to also remember, this is more of a veteran presence, too, mm-hmm. with Tannehill. He's done this before in Miami. That was kind of the only way that he survived out there and looked halfway decent. And that, right. And that, but, but the thing is, as you say, that's not a slight on Mariota. That's always been the slight on Mariota <laughs> is that he doesn't command the locker room. Because he's not very verbal. He's a quiet guy. He's a quiet guy. He's, and I think that's a little – you can't be that quiet as mm-hmm. an NFL quarterback. In the last game, uh, the Chiefs are at the Chargers, which is a home game for the Chiefs technically, playing against no, the L.A. Chargers. That's, that's, that's in uh, Kansas City. That's verse. That's in Kansas City? That's verse. Yeah, that's okay, in Kansas City. Right, They've Kansas only got one road game, and that's the Titans yeah. in the next e- five weeks. Either way, I see that as a W because the Chargers, they're just a bad team. They're about to mail it in over the next couple of weeks. I don't know why because they have so much talent on offense, but the Chiefs are going to win that game to go one and three without Patrick Mahomes. That, okay, one and three. That's what you believe. I think they mm-hmm. can go I think they can go two and two, but that two and two is going to hurt them. That, those four losses is going to really bite them, especially with the Colts on their butt, the Ravens on their butt, the Texans on their butt. And I don't know how, but the Raiders are still <laughs> right. on their butt, too. Right. That's who they are. So, okay. Interesting look. NFL, like I said, NFL is looking pretty exciting. So, keep your hats on, guys. This is going to be a fun ride. But what else is fun around here for us is the news. And now, Jimmy has the news. Thank you, Wendy. Baseball fans, we did not forget about you. We finally have our World Series matchup uh, with the Astros defeating the New York Yankees in the ALCS on Saturday night on a two-run home run walk-off for Jose Altuve uh, to beat them 6-4. to four. And they are now set to meet the Washington Nationals beginning tomorrow evening, uh, 7 o'clock Central, in Houston as they have the home diamond advantage. Um, so with both, th- both teams obviously playing their best baseball of the season, who do you think will win the World Series out of the Astros and the Nationals. So I've been watching some of the playoff baseball. I don't really talk about it because I don't get as granular as a lot of baseball fans do. And I do that on purpose because, I mean, I think I told you all know my story. Uh, but I've, I've kind of quit on that portion of it. But I enjoyed the game. And I think that 
with this one, I'm going to go Astros and six. What about you? Yeah, I, I think that's the, the smart play. I know the Nationals, they're a hot team. They came out of nowhere. They do have some good hitters. They have some really good pitching. But since the Astros have been there and they were there two years ago, they won it then. And top to bottom, they have the best roster and probably have the best manager. I say that they win it. I'm going to say they win it in seven. Okay. It's going to take everything they have to win that. All right. Up next, uh, your boy Antonio Brown, as much as I try to avoid mentioning his name on the show, um, I have to talk about him again. There was a story that came out by Jason Locken for CBS Sports saying that while he works out his issues with the league and his grievances with the Raiders and the Patriots, there are four teams that are very interested in him should he become available. Those teams include the 49ers, the Bills, the Cowboys, and the Seahawks. So if he does, again, play this season, who do you think is the team most likely to land his services? Um, it's going to be between the 49ers and the Cowboys. They're probably the two teams that could really utilize him. They're the two teams that would like to have a chance of actually winning something. And I think that they're probably going to be the ones that What do you think? I was going to say maybe the Cowboys won. They're going to take a risk to get themselves over the hump. Yeah. Um, but for that same reason, that I always say I would also say the Seahawks as well, who I think their management would be more willing to take a chance on him as opposed to the 49ers management because John Lynch, he's some, he's more conservative than people think. So to bring this kind of guy into the locker room when you're already rolling and with a perfect record or you're going to end up with a really good record, I don't know if he sees it as worth it bringing him in and potentially disrupting the chemistry in the locker room. You know, he would be good in the receiving core. So I say Cowboys one, Seahawks two. Okay. And lastly, uh, Alabama Crimson Tide fans, I'm sure you already know this, uh, two attack by Aloha, you're starting quarterback Heisman candidate is out with a high ankle sprain. He has already had a surgical procedure done on that ankle, the opposite ankle of what he injured last year. And he could be out anywhere from two to three to four weeks. Nobody knows because Nick Saban said today that there's no real timetable on his return. So if he's not back by the LSU game, which I believe is on November 2nd, can they beat the LSU Tigers without two attack of our Ooh, buddy. That one, that's a loaded question, and I have zero <laughs> answers for that because I don't know who who does Alabama have as their backup. I can't, I can't remember his name. But but that's not something that I feel like we don't have an answer for that because we don't have that answer. I'm going to say no. I'm, I'm just going to say, say no. no. I'll say no as well. I think the LSU is built top to bottom as one of the best teams in the country and the way Joe Burrow is playing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't care how good your defense is, Alabama. You're not ready for LSU right. without two of them. Now, the committee loves Alabama, so they would, like, give them, you know, a little bit of leeway just knowing the situation. But if Oklahoma remains undefeated, as does Clemson and as does Ohio State, and LSU is the team that beat them, they may be on the outside looking in going into the college football playoff. Out of respect, you have to do that. Yeah. Is that it? That's it. It's new. And that was Jimmy with the news. Thank you, Bob. Okay. So, uh, you know, I don't really fancy myself a prophet, Jay. Um, I don't know how much profits get paid. If they do get paid, then maybe I need to look in that as a line of work. Because you all will recall that I said uh, in the beginning of the summer league in the NBA where Zion Williamson hurt his knee and was out for the rest of the summer league that this was going to be a problem that he was going to have injury problems. I don't know how I knew that outside of that injury, but I could just tell. Well, 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 after a great preseason, actually a historic preseason. Historic. He has torn his meniscus, which I believed happened uh, about a week ago or so. Yeah, let's just when he was first diagnosed. And he's going to be out six to eight weeks after knee surgery. So all you all who bought 
<laughs> around the country who bought tickets to your team's game when the Pelicans came to town within this first two months and possibly longer. Uh, you're going to be – hopefully you like Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday. And But you said Brandon Ingram. And Brandon Ingram, yeah. MIP. So for those <clears throat> mentioning, we do have our NBA preview show up on the site frozen.me or halfburstsportshow.com as well as all through our syndications you can search us halfburst sports show uh spotify apple etc you can find the nba preview show it's ready to be listened to and jimmy talked about how he thinks that ingram is going to be the mip the most improved player so mm-hmm. this might be an opportunity for him to actually show himself absolutely and you're right as the prophet that you are you didn't make mention that you felt like there was gonna be an injury issue with him for me i always felt like there was gonna be a low management thing with him regardless because he's gonna be in new orleans everyone talks about the great food of new orleans and where everybody <laughs> figured that he's gonna add an additional 15 to 20 pounds to those knees, he's gonna yeah. add that college 15 in Nolan's because of how great he's going to eat and now that he had knee surgery definitely he's going to put on the freshman 15 Mm -hmm. because of it so we have to see what how he develops afterwards how he recovers the the Pelicans are optimistic and to be quite honest I'm not he's a big dude Mm -hmm. 6'7 285 he's just about all muscle he's pretty chiseled as a guy I just don't see that him I don't see him making it and I don't think I don't, I don't see him being healthy enough. Mm-hmm. And that's why your idea yesterday, before this news even came out, about him potentially sitting this season, a la Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Blake Griffin, etc., might be the best thing for him. I mean, yeah. it, it has not hampered any of their careers nope. in any way, shape, or form. So that may be a really good idea. But you know what? There is some somebody I blame for this injury. You want to know who that is? Uh-oh. Who? The New Orleans Pelicans. You know why? Why? Because – they're already showing that they don't know how to handle stars because with Anthony Davis, they couldn't save him from the rest of the league by getting him players around him as great as he is that would help him to compete against the other teams in the league. And now with Zion Williamson, they didn't save him from himself, knowing that he already injured his knee in the summer league. Why would you let your best asset go out there in meaningless preseason games and potentially further damage that knee, which he did? So I blame them. I could see that. I could definitely see that. But, but the other thing, the other side of the coin you got to look at is what do you do? Do you not play him at all in the preseason? Nope. Do you make him sit and not do anything? I mean, yep. this is a way you don't play him in the preseason. You really believe nope. they shouldn't have played him in the preseason? I totally believe that. Why? Did you actually expect them to make the playoffs? I expected them to have their best asset that people want to see and that the, the NBA's so, advertising partners, when their games are played, wanted to see out there on the court. So do we put them in bubble wrap the entire season? Yes. Okay. Metaphorically and potentially literally, yes. Uh, potentially literally. Everything you have to do to protect him. I mean, we talk, the, I mean, the most hyped draft prospect that we've seen come out since who? Since LeBron? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah, I mean, I yes, you, yeah. do, you do everything you can to protect him from himself, and they did not do that. Well, the problem you're going to run into with that is, is no matter what, he's was most likely going to get injured playing during the season. Okay, so, fine, fine. No totally fine. What, he's going to get hurt. Totally fine and with the that. The good thing is he got hurt now. They can address it today, <laughs> get it over with, and prepare and find a nice plan to prepare him for for the rest of the season. Sitting him career. out the rest of the season. They're going to listen to you and follow your advice. Just sit him out for the rest of the season. I mean, if they're smart, they will. They've already got everybody's money. So <laughs> you may as well <laughs> sit the man now and then prepare to sit him mm-hmm. and then play him next year yeah. and collect more money. But I'm pissed. I'm really pissed because they were going to play the Thunder here in town like – in like two weeks. Yep. Two or three weeks. I almost bought tickets to that game Good today. Job, Jimmy. I'm glad you didn't do it almost, to yourself. Yeah, me too. Well, I mean, speaking of <laughs> buying something, it looks like <laughs> about five teams decided to spend a heck of a lot of money over the last few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, some bags were secured. You had 
Pascal Siakam getting his max deal. I still think that, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jalen Brown's got him a max deal. Four years, 115 milli. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Dominus Sabonis gets four years, 77 milli. Yeah. DeJounte Murray for the Spurs gets four years, 64 milli. Yeah. <laughs> and then lastly, Buddy Heald gets four <laughs> years, 98 million. Buddy Heald. Yeah. So, Jimmy, out of all these bags that just got secured, which one was the worst? Uh, let me address the three more most popular bags, we'll say. Okay. All right. Uh, so, Buddy Hill, four-year, 94 mil, like you said, averaged 20 points, five rebounds for the Kings. Their best player on offense, best scorer. Um, you couldn't allow him to jet, and he had already started yapping in the media about the usual refrain, if you don't want me here, then trade me, send me somewhere else. Well, they, they caved in. I mean, they're not really paying anybody else. We're well, going to have to pay De'Aaron Fox pretty soon. But um, I don't think he's overpaid. I think, actually, they got a bargain on four years, 94 mil, compared to just some of the other contracts we're going to talk about in this discussion. So they kind of got a 20-point score cheap compared to some of these other franchises. Speaking of which, Jalen Brown, Celtics, four-year, 115, definitely overpaid. For a guy who's not averaged more than 13 points in a three-year career, he is totally overpaid. Now, Mm -hmm. I like Jalen Brown. I know yes, you, you do, too. Brown I know we're going to have a side bet on Jason Tatum's season yep, versus, versus Jalen Brown. Brown. And I think he is integral to this team in terms of helping them to finish where I think they're going to finish in the playoff standings. But 115 for Jalen Brown for a guy with the numbers that he's put up, uh, he must be a hell of a teammate because he is totally not worth that if we go off of on-court production. And lastly, Pascal Siakam, the $130 million extension. I know it looks excessive, but he's a champion. And they do not win that championship without him. Matter of fact, there was a game against Golden State. It was either their third win or their fourth win where he right. hit a huge shot. He got around Draymond Green, one of the best defenders in basketball, and hit a huge shot. So he's clutch. He's been there. He's a winner. And you're not paying anybody else. You're not going to pay anybody else for a long time because you're not going to get a superstar to that city unless Ujiri is somehow able to finagle Giannis to come to that franchise. But I think he's worth it because he is a champion. Without the ring, probably not. Ooh, man, that's um, – okay. What about you? So I looked at those contracts, and I looked at them. I feel like, one, Pascal Siakam is definitely overpaid. I do get the argument that they don't have anybody else to pay. Mm. But that don't mean you just pay him all that money, especially when you don't have a future lineup. Now, this was my piece when it came to Pascal Siakam. The problem you have with his circumstances is that you know, nobody can tell me who their future star is on that roster besides him. Like, mm-hmm. who are you building your team around? He the, is a player you can't build around. Mate, do, do you see him being like a 21 to 22 point a game scorer? Like, what is his ceiling? I, I, that's what I'm trying to figure out. That's my problem. I don't know his ceiling. Yeah. He got MIP last year. He did really, really, really good in the playoffs. I mean, played great basketball, and he looks like he has that. But I don't see the, the I don't see that uh in him. I don't see that moxie. I don't mm. see that piece that about him that makes him stand out to be a player you build around. That's my issue with his contract. Jalen Brown, I understand paying Jalen Brown because they're expecting for him to have the um, breakout season. They expect him to have the breakout. I think that over Jason Tatum, he's going to be the one that had the big year. Now, is when is Jason Tatum up for his extension? Is it this summer? It's got to be this summer because he's going into his third year. Brown's going into his fourth year. So yeah, yes. so – the problem you're going to run into now is you've got Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Kimball Walker, and you're going to have to figure out how to pay Jason Tatum. Plus, you've already got Marcus Smart, Enos Cantor, et cetera. How are you going to pay all these people? So the Jalen Brown contract, I think it's worth it because I think Jalen Brown's going to end up 
Jalen Brown is going to end up. I still feel like it's going to be bet, the better player than over um, Jason Taylor. Mm, all right. So in reference to that, how do we? I think we do our bet by. It's kind of like fantasy taking cate- I, taking categories. I and, think we got five categories that we should we should set this on. The all right, one. give them to me. So your five categories is now. Everybody, keep note of this. This is the side bet between me and Jimmy at the twenty three mark of this show mm-hmm. for this season. We're going to go with points. Mm-hmm. Rebounds, assists, steals, and I'm going to throw in a monkey wrench. Three-point percentage. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's our five. Let's go to seven. Let's, let's make it a for, – for the jewels. Let's go to for seven. For the jewels. For yeah. the jewels. Okay. Let's go free throw percentage. We'll, go, we'll do free throw percentage and then – Another category of your choice. Blocks. Okay. I don't feel like blocks is really going to do much for us, but oh. – Actually, you know what? Switch that. Yeah. Steals. Turnovers. Turnovers. We've already got steals. Like turnovers per game? That's what yep. we do. Okay. We've got points, rebounds, assists, steals, turnovers, three-point percentage, and free throw percentage. All right. That'll be our seven for the jewels. Okay. Bet. Minimum 50 games. So, like, if one guy gets injured. Yeah, after minimum like 20 50 games. games. All right. Minimum of 50 games. Side bet. Uh, what's going to be the uh, – ooh, a steak at Mahogany's? Yeah, see, a steak for you, I would say, because uh, I'm cheap, but I love shrimp. Shrimp dinner for me from Red Lobster. Ooh, shrimp dinner. <laughs> shrimp dinner for Red Lobster. Okay. Yeah. Note it. So we've got this all written down <laughs> yes. on the spot. Jimmy's cheap. I ain't. So <laughs> very much more cheap dating comparison to me. We yeah. will do that. So, okay. Let's prepare for it. So we do this every Monday. Mm-hmm. It is a staple for the show. We call this the seven dollar. Challenge. Jimmy's got questions. Which let me ask you this though, because you know how how it comes to Jay's got answers. Yeah, that was terrible. I, yeah, you did, I you did well. It's the seven dollar challenge. <laughs> Every time. All right, today's seven dollar challenge is presented by the replacements. <laughs> awesome movie. If you haven't seen it, you're a loser. Keanu, Jimmy Keanu Reeves, right? Oh yes, sir. Yeah. So Jimmy, I'm gonna give you. Because of all of these injuries that we're seeing in the NFL, we've seen a ton of backup quarterbacks going in the game, especially running backs, too. So I'm going to go ahead and do the $7 challenge backup edition. I'm okay. give you seven players. Tell me where they're playing. All right? All right. Three choices. All right? Okay. Let's start off. I'm going to give you a freebie. You ready? Yeah. Here's your freebie. Mike Glennon. Does he play for the Raiders, the Bears, or the Cardinals? <laughs> uh, so I got a healthy dose of hard knocks. We'll say Raiders. Correct. All right. Good job. All right. Blake Bortles. Is he a 49er, a Ram, or a Chief? He's a Ram. Correct. Ooh, I kind of worried there for a second. All right. He's a Ram. Getting harder now. A.J. McCarron. Ooh. Is he hanging out in with the Houston Texans, the Cleveland Browns, or the Cincinnati Bengals? Texans, Browns, or Bengals? Let's go. Dang. Texans, Browns, Bengals. <laughs> Bengals. Incorrect. Dang. Who is He's it? a Texan. Really? He spent most of his career with the Bengals, and the Browns fumbled the trade for him. I was thinking Bills, and then when you didn't give me that option, I was like, oh, boy. All right. All right. Garrett Gilbert. <laughs> is he... With the Giants, the Browns, or the Jets? Garrett Gilbert, Giants, Browns, or Jets? Let's go Giants. Incorrect. Hey, he Jets. is a Brown. Brown. He's right behind Baker Mayfield. Okay. All right. I hate this guy. Jared Stidham. Is he with the Seahawks, the Panthers, or the Patriots? He's a Patriot. 
correct. He cost me fantasy points by not throwing a touchdown to the right player. <laughs> Actually, no, he messed up my uh, my frozen five. That's what happened. Right. Okay. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Terrible individual. All right. Trevor Simeon. Is he a Jet, a Jag, or a Colt? He's a Jet. Correct. Miles, Miles Garrett took him off the set unnecessarily. He sure did. Yeah. All, All right. right. Your final one. Brian Hoyer. <laughs> Is he a Patriot, a Viking, or a Colt? Okay, yeah. I know he's not a Patriot because they released him because they really like Stidham. Um, you said a Viking or a Colt? Yep. Dang. Uh, I'm going to go Colt. Great. Woo! He did end up signing with the Colts as a backup quarterback. Good job, Jimmy. Thank That's you. Five Thank and you. two. Feels good. good. Man, we finally got us a second. Two dubs. Two, in a row. two dubs in a row after like eight losses in a row. Eight <laughs> <laughs> straight terrible losses, too. And is that another turnover for the Patriots defense? Uh, you're probably right. Jesus That's kind Christ. of what the Patriots do. They are, so, they are all right. Sick. All right. We're going to do our rapid fire session that we always do. Mm-hmm. Perfect timing for Good job on that. You did, you did well. Thank you. Thank you. It's a good challenge. All right. First topic. Jimmy, lead this off. This All is right. Man, so, <laughs> so you and I, we were watching uh, the Red Zone yesterday, and we came up on the Falcons getting destroyed by the Rams. And in that game, there was a scuffle between two players, two pro bowlers, uh, Devontae Freeman and Aaron Donald. And this is how it went. I'm not going to read for you what happened if you didn't see it. I'm just going to read you the headline from an article that talks about it. And I quote, Devontae Freeman ejected for punching Aaron Donald after Donald hoisted him up like a child. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if you don't know, that's good. You have to see this because when he picks him up, what makes it so bad is that Freeman is kicking his feet. Like, just. So when you saw that, like, what what do you think was going through Devontae Freeman's mind when. He went toe-to-toe with Aaron Donald, and Aaron Donald, who has like five inches and 80 pounds on him, hoist, levitated him off the ground. He's probably thinking, oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Put me down. Put me down. Because, <laughs> I mean, that – I'm still in tears laughing at that. And, and yeah, he's – I mean, because Adams is 5'9". Donald – I didn't realize Aaron Donald was 6'1". Yeah, he's not very tall. He's not very tall, but, but he's tall enough. And I didn't realize he's dating near 300 pounds. That dude is yoked. Yeah, he, all muscle. He literally picked this dude up like he was a child. That was – it would have been less disrespectful if he just slapped him in the helmet. Yes. Right? Like yes, because I mean that's the difference. I mean, Adam um, Devontae Freeman is five nine two oh nine. Aaron Donald six one two eighty five. And I sympathize with Freeman too because I mean you can't back down from anybody because you're already a smaller guy. Most of the players on the field are bigger than you, so you can't look like a punk. So, but it's you know Aaron Donald like, damn, like what do you do? Do you just walk away? Do you keep going? knowing that it's going to end up bad for you? Because I've never seen this before. This got so bad to where I think the ref had to jump on top of Devontae Freeman and tackle him himself to the ground to keep Aaron Donald from continuing his assault. Yes. I've never seen that before. Never. And so for Devontae Freeman, man, just – Hold that L and just walk away. <laughs> don't engage. Don't don't just let what do, it go. What do you say to it? I mean, if that's your teammate, like, oh, I mean, you can look at the replays. You can see there was like no Rams around them in this situation. I mean, no. Um, so they didn't even help. No, not no Falcons around. Yeah. So okay. Speaking of <laughs> Falcons, let's right. talk about the Frozen Five. Another winning week. Another winning week. Thank you guys. I do what I can. I'm gonna address my law L's first. 
And then the dubs. First and foremost, the biggest L of them all was that I didn't go with the Dallas Cowboys, who destroyed the Eagles. Mm -hmm. You listen to my solo show. I gave you an explanation of why, and it happened exactly as I expected. This wasn't the game for them. So uh, that's my biggest L, but I took the Falcons plus three. We're going to have to talk about them a little later today, Jimmy. Yeah, we I will. have to get a better understanding of what's going on in Georgia and okay. why are the Falcons so bad. I mean, on both sides of the ball, they technically are really good. Mm-hmm. But they just, I don't know. We'll talk about the Falcons a little later and more in depth. So that was L number one. The second L is John Gruden and his Raiders doing what they do best, screwing up. No, like, like seriously. Okay, so the Raiders – were up on the Packers. It was a very solid game. And to end the first half, Derek Carr dives for a touchdown, loses the ball, he rolls to the back of the end zone, and guess what they call that? A touchback. Because of that, that's when it started. They got to the goal line in the second half to even get us right there to a cover. They couldn't make it into the end zone two times in a row. Literally four plays. They turn over on downs, got the ball back, went back there, still couldn't get in. And because of that, I didn't get my cover. So let's go to the dubs. Fantastic job on the wins here. The Colts did what I figured they would do. They harassed Deshaun Watson so much that he wasn't able to produce like he normally does. That gave us the dub that I expected. The Jaguars... The Bengals are just really bad. It's funny because the Bengals are really the team in the NFL that's tanking without trying to. And that's the problem for the Dolphins because as hard as they're trying to tank, they've got to battle it out with the Cincinnati Bengals. So it's like in the Bengals' DNA to tank. Yes, they're like they're tanking, and it's not even on purpose. They're just tanking to be because they're the Bengals. That's what they do best. <laughs> and so shout out to uh, Minshew and the and the, uh, the mustache as well as that Jags defense who, without Jalen Ramsey, did what I told you guys they would do. They showed up, and they showed out, and they went out there, got a couple of – got one pick six and almost a second one and was able to really cause issues for the beige water pistol. Lastly, uh, the Saints, plus three and a half, playing against the Bears. They beat the dog out of the Bears. And I feel bad for that Bears defense because the Bears defense did as much as they possibly could, and they couldn't help it. They have really big issues on the offensive side. This year, their offense has gotten so inept, it's depressing, and the Saints took advantage of that. Teddy Bridgewater did his best job of looking like Drew Brees and keeping calm, collective, and, mm-hmm. and running the O. Without Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray ran for over 100 yards. So the Saints look like the Saints. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what? This Saints reminds me of, of the Aaron Brooks Saints back in the early 2000s. That's who they remind me of, the way that Teddy Bridgewater played, especially with Teddy Bridgewater being a black quarterback. Mm-hmm. So – the dubs I got out of it was the Saints plus three and a half, Colts minus one, Jags minus three and a half. If I was smart and kicked the Falcons out like I initially thought in my mind but didn't, I would put the Cowboys there and got them minus three because they did dominate. So that is our Frozen Five with them. Dubs. Yep, yep, yep. Good, Good job. Week. So I look to keep the winning streak going Please. this week. We need a four and one or five and a week. We totally do. We totally do. We need one. So, okay. Lastly, we've got a – Interesting one here. Yeah, yeah. you know, co- coaching, coaching speculation. So, um, Urban Meyer, 
former coach of Ohio State, etc. Champion um, was on the herd with Colin Cowherd last week, and he discussed the possibility of a coaching change in Dallas. So Cowherd asked Meyer if he thought Lincoln Riley would be open to taking the Cowboys job. And while answering the question, Meyer said this about coaching in Dallas. Um, he said that uh, of Dallas, that's the New York Yankees. That's the one great city. You got Dak. You got Zeke Elliott. You got a loaded team. I can't speak for Riley, obviously. I hate to even speculate because I don't know him. That's really not fair. But to me, that's the one job in professional football that you kind of say, I got to go do it. Then Cowherd asked Urban Meyer if he would be interested in talking with the Cowboys. And Meyer said, absolutely, absolutely. That one, yes. So, Jay, if the cards fell in the right direction, do you think Urban Meyer would be a good fit in Dallas? I do. I think that he would be the college-type quarterback that Jerry Jones could that Jerry Jones could work with. He'd be like a what's that like a Barry like a Barry Switzer type. Yeah. I think that he'd be able to handle it, and he'd last probably two years, <laughs> at most three, like Jimmy Johnson, something like that. Uh-huh. He could do it. I could see it. What about you? What you think? Do you think Urban Meyer could be a good coach? Well, there? I mean, I think every coach. They sort of need their, a defining characteristic, and whatever that characteristic is, would it translate well to with uh, to coaching with that particular franchise? So with Urban Meyer, honestly, I don't know what his defining characteristic is other than winning, you know, because he's won in basically every place he, he was in college football. And when you think about it, the Cowboys have done the best when they've had coaches who came from college, right? Yep. If I recall correctly, Jimmy Johnson came straight from college. Yep. Barry Switzer definitely came straight from college. Yep. So why not do that again? Do I think he's a better fit than Lincoln Riley? No, because if I'm Jerry, I want that Lincoln Riley offense, whatever the hell it is, on my team. Because as you look at it more and more, NFL teams are using more of these these staples in college football, these traits yep. in college football offenses. So it's going in that direction anyway. And right now, Lincoln Riley's the best at it in terms of calling offense yes. in college. So I think they could both work because Urban Meyer is a winner. But Lincoln Riley, I mean, just imagining what you could do with Dak, Zeke, and Amari with that offense, I would have to go Lincoln Riley first. Plus, he's younger, so you could have him presumably for a lot longer. And with Urban Meyer, I don't know exactly if his heart would be in the job for the amount of years that I would want for it to be because he's kind of like that to where you don't know exactly if he's had enough or if he wants to spend time with family or what. So I'll be able to trust Lincoln Riley more with the position. I don't the, – the only my only rebuttal to that is Lincoln Riley wouldn't be stupid enough to go take that job. So you think it would be stupid of Lincoln Riley to take the Cowboys job in a way? Oh, yeah. Well, tell me why. He's got one of the top five jobs in college football that he's – damn near guaranteed to never lose unless he chooses to leave. Mm -hmm. Like, to me, five the five best jobs in college football, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, USC, you know, kind of crazy to say that, and Texas. That's your five jobs, and you can throw Michigan in there as an argument, but those five jobs, you get them, and if you're good at what you do, you never leave them. I mean, the only reason why Pete Carroll was gone is because he's about to get sanctioned, and that just made his job harder. <laughs> That's the only reason why. And plus, Pete Carroll was an NFL guy anyway, so I understood him. Going. That's true. But outside of that, you don't leave Ohio State. You don't leave Alabama. You don't leave Oklahoma. You don't leave Texas. And I mean, problem with Texas, nothing good about Well, technically, I'll take Texas off that list. I'll put Michigan back there. You don't leave those jobs unless you have to leave those jobs. Mm. I mean, you got the money. You got all of the – the recruits you could you could dream of, 
why would you leave? So yeah, that 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 would be dumb for him to take that job. Plus, the last piece on that is before we move on is his offense will not fully translate to the pros because once you get enough tape on him, as Chip Kelly, that stuff goes it fizzles oh, quickly. Okay, so for those reasons, you're not really sold on Lincoln Riley. Oh, no, I'm not sold on him at that's, all. That's as interesting, as coach. That's that's an interesting take. He has to change his offense completely to a. Yeah. Uh, NFL pro style offense with mm-hmm. some components of college things to confuse people. And here's the here's the thing too. If I do scrutinize that higher in a way, do you think that because he is so young and Urban Meyer being older and more established, we'll say because of the amount of years he's coached and because of his just general age, do you think that he would be able to command more respect from the players, the veteran players on that team, because of his age and his experience, as opposed to Lincoln Riley, who's doesn't have as much coaching experience because he's younger much younger than Urban Meyer. Do you think that that will play a factor in that? The way NFL players think based upon a lot of the comments I've heard in regards to coaching is you can teach them something, they're going to listen. And they will listen to a guy that will teach them something. Look at Sean McVay. He's young. Cliff Kingsbury, he's now out there and people are listening to him. A lot of coaches will get – will a lot of players will receive that and grow from it. I think Dak Prescott would do great under Lincoln Riley because he'd actually listen to him mechanically. Um, as a coach, but I don't, I just don't, I don't think that will be the issue. I just think that his offense is built for college and it will dominate college, and that's where it should stay mm. in college. So, mm. wrapping this bad boy up, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy, my Jimmy, yes, <laughs> Jimmy, my Jimmy. I, I, we've got Jimmy. We're worried. I'm, I'm concerned. I'm very, very much concerned for the Atlanta Falcons. You know, I. I've been to Atlanta several times. I really like the city. I've got a sister that lives there. Um, yeah. You know, I, I really do like the Falcons. And they have dropped to, I believe it's one and six after a 37 to 10, just destruction at the hands of the Fresh. L.A. Rams, who are a good team, but not that good of a team to do that to them on their own home turf. And I'm really worried about them. This The offense looked inept. The defense looked non-existent, and there has got to be an explanation as to why this team looks so pathetic week after week after week, culminating in this probably the worst loss of their season. So, all right, Atlanta, what the hell has happened to the Atlanta Falcons? Jay, what is going on with this team? All right, so twofold. Number one, Dan Quinn's defense from Seattle obviously did not translate, so it looks like that defense was all 100% Pete Carroll. And it has not translated into anything good. Their defense is atrocious. And it seems like they get beat all the time in everything they do. They obviously don't want to pay people. Um, They're losing players in free agency. But for some reason, they cannot get it figured out on the defensive side. It's just they look look lost at all times. And this is not something that I would have expected from the Falcons, especially two years removed from a Super Bowl and just about having the exact same roster. The following year, I know the Super Bowl hangover, that does happen. But they also had lost Devontae Freeman that year. Mm. You get him back, and they look god awful jimmy i don't i don't get it offensively they have two of the most they have the most talented wide receiver in the nfl everyone respects this man and everyone looks at him like he's a god i mean they respect him so much that every time he whines about his contract they give him an extension they just paid him 66 million dollars this year now people are saying oh he may not have gotten it all up front but he's getting that money this year in some capacity because they have to they put that money in escrow they owe him that so right now they gotta write him that check 60 something million 65 of it on day one come on you're paying him that much money to win and at this point 
I feel like there's a case to go ahead and trade Matt Ryan. Please tell me why shouldn't they trade Matt Ryan being one in six? Can I double down on that? Go, oh, please. I'm, let me di- I'm gonna diagnose what's happened and then I'm gonna give you the prescription. The diagnosis is uh this is uh this is a depressed team. Okay. They have been depressed psychologically as a team. I don't mean clinically, I mean as football players, as believing and being motivated that they can get back to the Super Bowl ever since that loss. It's not that they lost in the Super Bowl, it's how they lost. Having the victory well within their hands more than any other team that's ever played in a Super Bowl and then losing it, obviously, to the GOAT. But they've been depressed ever since. They have not been themselves, and they're not going to be themselves. There is no way to overcome this. So what they have to do, top to bottom, you have to get rid of anybody who is on that team. I know that sounds ridiculous, but in order to purge the franchise of this this depression, (laughs) purge everybody. You've got to get rid of everybody, starting with Matt Ryan. You've got to get rid of Julio. I'm sorry. You've got to get rid of Devontae Freeman. You obviously have to get rid of Dan Quinn and his coaching staff. You have to get rid of all any team, anybody who was on that team, get rid of them. What about Arthur Blank? (laughs) (laughs) Did they get rid of him too? I like Arthur Blank. (laughs) I mean ideally yes, but you can't. So everybody who is able to be gone, you have to move them. Trade them, get draft picks, blow it up, start over. Anybody who had anything to do with that Super Bowl roster, they've got to move on for the sake of your franchise and for their sake as well. Blow up the toilet. I get it. <laughs> and that that's the bad part. They just get this new stadium. And like I said, their offense is, I mean, they're stacked. I mean, as much as we want to clown, they've got they got Hooper out there, the young stud tight end. You've got Muhammad Sanu catching stuff when needed. You've got uh, Ridley, who came out of nowhere last year as now, a fantasy. Ridley wasn't on that roster, right? Because he was he was a rookie no, last he was year. Rookie last year. Okay, keep him. You can keep. He Ridley. stays. So he's the new. So he's the new face of the offense. Yeah. Is he going to replace Julio Jones as the <laughs> yes. best player on that roster? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you do. I I I understand your take on that, but I have no clue what you do with this team. It's just. They're bad, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know how. The offense looks inept. I guess the offensive line has gotten beat up. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, looking at Matt Ryan, five sacks, they can't run the ball, absolutely. So, I, I, obviously, what I said in terms of blowing everything up, yes, I do believe that, but they're not going to be able to do that. You can't, able to do that. that. you can't do so that. You can't do that. So, it. then you just you got to get rid of the coaching staff, and you bring in – I mean, where's your – screw it. I almost said the wrong word. Where's your Matt LaFleur? Where's your why don't Sean they go? Why don't they go uh, figure out a way to trade for Kyle Shanahan and get him <laughs> back out there? Because it seems like Matt Ryan goes to Super Bowls yeah. with with Kyle Shanahan. Well, what about this? What if the 49ers trade for Matt Ryan? No, they like what they got with Jimmy G. I would like Matt Ryan, honestly, over Jimmy G because that's, again, part of the reason why I don't think they're the best team in the NFC because when it comes down to it, I think Bridgewater can beat him, and I definitely think Aaron Rodgers can beat him. So, ideally, I would like that, but they wouldn't They wouldn't do that. You don't think so? I mean, no. that, I mean, it sounds like the best trade you could possibly do. You'll have Matt Ryan, who's a seasoned vet with a whole bunch of nobodies on the roster mm-hmm. underneath Kyle Shanahan, who made him into an MVP quarterback. Yes, I like it. I'd want it, but they're not going to do it. You don't think so? Okay. Oh, well, 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 humming a humming a yo. <laughs> Just shoot down my thoughts. Thanks, Jimmy. Now, I like where your head's at, though. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Well, all right. What's your final thoughts, Jimmy? All right. Final thoughts. Um, you know, I'm a Red Sox fan, obviously. And uh, I want to give a shout out, though, to a New York Yankee, to uh, to a warrior, to one of the 
uh, best pitchers that, you know, really I've seen uh, who define dignity, who define longevity, who was a great teammate, and who literally gave the game of baseball everything he had. And that's none other than CC Sabathia. Uh, if you follow baseball, you know that he essentially threw out his shoulder, I think, in game five or game four of the ALCS uh, against the Astros uh, while he was on the mound, ending his career with 251 wins, um, you know, 3,400 innings pitched. A lot of over three over three thousand strikeouts. Yeah, great tons Hall of Fame of numbers. numbers. Yeah, tons of numbers. But it's what he represented. And as much as I, I don't hate to say it because I have so much respect for him. I don't care that he was a Yankee um, and was a great pitcher, Cy Young Award winner. So I want to give him the proper send off because you don't see very many pitchers like him. And it may be another generation or two of baseball players before we see another pitcher who does what CC Sabathia did. So CC, this is for you. Um, you know, happy retirement. You were great. We're going to miss you, um, and we appreciate everything you gave to the game. I'm with that. I enjoy C.C. Sabathia as well, especially all his antics. He's just an awesome <laughs> dude to deal with. And a huge, huge, huge pitcher, too. He looks like a freaking he looks like a defensive lineman. Yeah. They got offensive lineman. Either in one. Yeah. I, I think he's almost 300 pounds anyway. He could be an old lineman. So, anyway, <laughs> special shout-out to the Chicago Bears. Not only did you guys help me secure <laughs> my win uh, by being down – by losing to the Saints. But did you know that the Bears are the first team to achieve an onside kick in the NFL this season? Really? They almost did it twice. But if I'm correct, this is like the first time in like almost three years that we've had an onside kick that was recovered in the NFL. I mean, an onside kick basically should be abolished after they may change the rules to where you can't stack the side or you can't have a running start anymore. Because of that, they have become fewer. I think the percentages are so low, you're more likely to get like mauled by a bear than you are <laughs> to actually get an onside kick. So special shout out to the Bears for getting that onside kick and reminding us that one in two million chances you will actually make that happen. <laughs> Very nice, sir. But, you know, of course, we appreciate you guys joining us as usual here on the Half a Bird Sports Show. Please check us out on uh, our Twitter feed at Half a Bird Show, as well as uh, our Facebook page to find all of our syndications. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. If you think we only deserve four, just lie and give us five anyway. From Mike, Bob, and Wendy, thank you so much for doing what you do best, helping us uh, make this magic happen. And for my co-host, Jimmy, he'll have his solo show as well as his Heisman update this mm -hmm. week. Frozen Be five. excited, and you can search us and find our NBA preview as NBA action starts up tomorrow night. Well, technically, tonight. For the Half Burst Sports <laughs> Show, peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.